Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Jacob Marge, your crew beat writer with the Columbus Dispatch. Before we get to the program, I want to update you all on some news that happened after recording of this show. We recorded it on Thursday morning. After that, we spoke to crew president and general manager Tim Bezbachenko, who said that the crew was going ahead with having 1,500 fans at Saturday's match against New York Red Bulls in the MLS Cup playoffs. That has since been rescinded after Franklin County was upgraded to a purple rating warning level, which is the highest level issued by the state that is issued due to increased spread of COVID-19. Bezbachenko said that even though Franklin County and Columbus Public Health put out a stay-at-home advisory on Wednesday that goes into effect Thursday at 6 p.m. that essentially advises against any non-essential travel other than going to the grocery store, medical needs, school, or work, which non-essential travel would include going to Saturday's match. The crew have now decided not to host 1,500 fans at the game. There will be select family and friends of staff, players, and coaches at the match, but fans will not be allowed for the first time since September 6th against FC Cincinnati when they decided to have limited capacity. With that update, here's the show. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy Playoff Edition. Today is uh, Thursday, the 19th of November. It's uh, 10 o'clock as we begin recording, or to be more specific, as the podfather, Patrick Flaherty, begins recording. Um, he spent the last nine months buying new equipment for his home office, and it kind of looks like uh, it looks like uh, Phil Spector's studio in there at this point, judging by the Zoom pictures. Uh, I'm Mike Arace. Uh, uh, I'm here in my abode, uh, uh, zooming away with uh, Kyle Robertson uh, at K Rob Photo and uh, Jacob Myers. And Jacob, uh, after removing underscores and, and uh, changing uh, your handle, pass that along again. Your your uh, your Twitter handle. Underscore JC Myers. Oh, there is still an underscore there. Well, um, <laughs> so that that is the the striker and the shield there. Um, check out uh, all their work at dispatch.com. Uh, Jacob's been uh, going at it pretty hard of late. Um, anything you could want to know about the upcoming playoffs uh, can be found crew related at uh, dispatch.com. I'd say good job by Jacob, but he, he gets a big head pretty easy. So we'll just say uh, he's got a ways to go. Um, 
No, good job, Jacob. I was kidding there. Um, in the East, gentlemen, let's just start with with the brackets. Well, let's start in the West because we're going to come back to the East and then specifically to the crew New York Red Bulls game, which is uh, going to be on uh, – what is that? Let me see here. That is uh, Saturday. So a week from uh, tomorrow, or a week from a week from Saturday, November 21st at 3 p.m. Columbus, New York Red Bulls at the Mafre Stadium. Let's start in the West, gentlemen. Mike, it's uh, in two days. The game's in two days. Oh, geez, so start again. <laughs> That's right. Today is the. I, I said that at the top of the show. What the hell are we doing let's, here? <laughs> let's let's uh, before we get to the Columbus of uh, New York Red Bulls uh, preview and the Eastern bracket. And by the way, the Columbus Red Bulls game is Saturday at 3 p.m. at the Mafre Stadium. Um, they're going to have the 1,500 fans in there with with the uh, with the pandemic raging throughout Ohio, Jacob. I haven't heard any different. Uh, we are supposed to talk to Tim Bezbachenko today, so I'm sure he'll be asked about that. Uh, I actually know he will be because I will make sure to ask about it. So. Uh, that's as far as I know, they're just planning on, on keeping it as is. Well, all ten of their I, wins have come I find home. That I find that shocking because uh, Ohio State football, there'll be hardly anyone in there. So, well, it it is in the actually Indiana is pretty good this year. All right, let's start in the West, gentlemen. Um, uh, the one eight is Kansas City San Jose. That's on Sunday at four. The 4-5 game is uh, Minnesota-Colorado. That's uh, Sunday at 7.30. That's the top of the Western bracket. Um, and on the bottom is the 3-6 Portland-Dallas game. That's Sunday at 10. And uh, the 2-7 game at the bottom of the bracket is Seattle-LAFC. That's uh, Tuesday um, at 10.30 p.m. Um, semifinals, December 1st out west. Um and, and I guess we'll start at the top of the bracket. I mean, Jacob, generally speaking, um, there could be there could be a lot of upsets. I mean, in the East as well. But uh, I think the West is is particularly prone to a, a little bit of a shakeup there. Um, and let's start with with Kansas City, San Jose, although I don't think that's where the shakeup's going to come from. Yeah, I, I expect Kansas City win there in advance. But as you said, Mike, it. it I think it's pretty much a toss up through the Western Conference, mostly because there were so many teams that had games canceled because of the outbreak on the Colorado Rapids. So I feel like the seeding in this postseason is not accurately reflected on just where these teams would finish in a regular season. However, all these teams were kind of battling throughout the year for, I think, until maybe the last day for those two through seven spots there. So it was really, really compact. And LAFC is getting healthy at the right time with Carlos Vela back. So just a, a tough draw there for uh, the reigning champs in Seattle. Well, I look at uh, Kansas City as, as kind of crew-like, although they're flip-flop. They, they're one and one uh, in their last eight games with three shutouts. Uh, I don't know if you trust their defense. I think they should handle San Jose, which is just a crazy team. Um, they look like they could beat the world one night, and uh, they look like uh, a USL team on, a, on another night, just matting, mattingly incons- inconsistent. That Seattle LAFC, uh, I guess Ruidas is going to be available. Um, he was on Peru duty, and it's because uh, it's another interesting wrinkle to this very strange year, but uh, he was on international duty with Peru, uh, but he had previously 
previously had COVID. So he has the antibodies, so he doesn't have to um, go into quarantine upon uh, returning to the, the United States. Uh, um, LAFC, yeah, they may have Vela back, probably will, um, and maybe Bradley Wright Phillips too, but they're awfully banged up. And uh, uh, I think, I think uh, um, it, it's, it's, uh, it still remains, it's a, that's a tough draw for Seattle. Your point's well taken. Any thoughts on Portland, Dallas? Hey, Kyle, the Hunts are, are back in the playoffs uh, and, and they have a decent team. Yeah, I think uh, you guys are saying that it's going to be all you know ultra competitive. I think it's going to be a clean, clean, clean sweep of the top, the top four seeds. I mean, um, isn't 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 LAFC without Rossi? Is that is that confirmed? Uh, yes. So I think so. No, it's it's not exactly confirmed yet. It's okay. I, I so just to update some listeners. Yesterday, LAFC came out and confirmed that. Defender Diego Palacios, midfielder Jose Ciufuentes, I might butcher this name, MVP candidate, You're tested positive winner, for yes. COVID yeah. while they were on international duty. Now, I believe they're isolating now. I would speculate they're not going to be available for that game, although they haven't been ruled out. And for right. those who didn't see yesterday, Jeff Carlisle, ESPN reported that – the league is trying to get these players on international duty back to their teams for the postseason via charter flights. Yeah. This morning, I looked on Instagram yeah. and Luis Diaz appeared to be on a charter flight. So, and and Caleb Porter said they're hopeful he can be back. So, that report also stipulated not all players might be available. For example, LFC. This was an interesting little wrinkle. Brian Rodriguez, another very important player for them. Has tested negative. He was also on the Uruguayan national team with Rossi, and and he's planning on returning to the team. That it seems unsafe, but you, you know what? Who knows if if he'll continue to test negative or eventually test positive? So that that's all to say that this is very much up in the air right now. Who will be back? Who will play? But I would say, you know, five days out from that game, the twenty fourth, it's probably likely. If not, all but a shit, those five players will not play. Um, I, I think Carlisle also Three reported. Players, my mistake. Say again. Three players. I think I stated five players. Those three players wouldn't play. Uh, Jeff Carlisle also reported that uh, there could possibly be forfeits if there's a COVID-19 problem with, with uh, any one team and they can't reschedule. So um, if it's two teams uh, that have a problem and they can't reschedule the playoff game, then uh, the higher seed will move on. Um, uh, but so keep that in mind, too. Kyle, I'm going to disagree with you. I think uh, Kansas City goes through. I think um, LAFC has a very good chance of beating Seattle. Um, I think uh, Dallas has a, has, a, has a very good chance of beating Portland. Half their team is out with injuries. And um, I think, uh, and it's a four or five game Minnesota, Colorado. So it's really a pick them, but uh, Minnesota could be missing half, half their uh, starters. Um, so um, they're going to be bunkering at home, which is a very strange situation in, in the first round of the playoffs. Just a reminder, this is a, a one and done. Um, it's winner, win and move on, losing you're gone playoffs. Uh, unlike previous years, it's a compacted playoff schedule. Um, the MLS Cup is December 12th. So that's a glossing of the West, unless uh, you guys want to add anything else. 
I think I got kind of lay it out there so people can compare in their their own brackets. I I, I go with Sporting KC Minnesota. If I if I have to pick one upset in the first round, I'll go Dallas mostly because Ashton Blanco and uh, Nizgoda are out for Portland. As you said, Mike, they're they're really hurt. But that should be probably the best round best game of the first round in my opinion, at least on the West. And then I I got Seattle advancing. Uh, I I think that they are just too complete of a of a team to get knocked down in the first round. They're deep, but that's a tough draw. You know, uh, Dallas can't score. If they get one, look out. Um, uh, and now we, we shift to the East, um, which uh, due to uh, the restructuring of the conferences just for this year because of the pandemic, um, there are 10 teams, not eight, in, in, uh, because they, were, they, they moved a couple teams over to the East. Um, 10 of the 14 made uh, the tournament. Uh, there are two playing games, the 7-10 Nashville against Inter-Miami and the 8-9 game New England against Montreal. Um, I guess uh, uh, Kyle and Jacob, uh, one of you guys can can uh, sink your teeth into this one, but um, that Nashville inter uh, is is kind of an interesting one for a lot of reasons. One of them is because uh, well, you got the Higuains in in, in Miami, um, although Gonzalo has scored one goal in 182 minutes with uh, with with the Cranes. Are they the Cranes, the Pelicans? What are they? I just have to. Flamingos, maybe. Yeah, yeah, well, sure. you can just say all three when you're mentioning them. Anyway, uh, I'm going to call them Miami, uh, uh, the Beckhams, um, and uh, and and Young Will Trap is there, uh, and they snuck in on the final day of the season. Uh, it was supposed to go much better for them, uh, uh, given their their cash layout for players, uh, specifically for Gonzalo Higuain, who's one of the world's elite scorers and has not been producing for whatever reason in Miami playing Nashville, which is, you know, they, they don't seem that dangerous, but uh, um, you know, and they, their defense doesn't crack despite the pressure it, it, it tends to absorb. Um, uh, what, what do you see there in that playing game, which by the way, I should mention when it is, that's uh, tonight or Friday night. That's tomorrow night at uh the two play-ins. Wait, let me let me sift through my notes here. The two plans. The Miami National game. That's the eight-nine game. Is at nine o'clock Friday night, and the the seven-ten Montreal New England game is at six thirty. Okay, Miami Nashville, gentlemen. What are your thoughts? So Nashville Miami is the seven-ten, Mike. I think you had them flip flop. Yeah. If, you, if you're looking, I mean, I had them two different ways in my notes, but uh, uh, the ones I'm looking at, Nashville's a seven, Miami. It up. Thank you. So if Nashville wins, they will play Toronto in the, I guess you can call the first round game because the higher seeded winner of the playing games will play the two Toronto and the one Philadelphia Union supporter shield winners. I'm happy to give the title to them this year. They'll play the lower seeded winner. Could you imagine being Philly winning the supporter shield and then playing Gonzalo Higuain and Rodolfo Pizarro in the first round like that. That's like a tough break. I, I know that Miami hasn't been up to snuff as much as that roster would indicate, but man, that would be a tough break. But, but I do like Nashville. I got to give a ton of credit to Gary Smith and what he's done with that team this year. Walker Zimmerman picked as defender of the year in MLS. 
they have a very, very good defense. Don't score a lot of goals, but they have figured a lot out late in the season. And to get the seventh spot, look, in a regular year, that would be enough to get in the postseason. And to do that as an expansion franchise that didn't spend a ton of money and just got real solid players, uh, credit to them. So I got Nashville, and I'll pick New England to advance, although they're a little banged up. I'm going to go reverse. I'm going Miami and Montreal. So I'm going with the uh, the away teams. <laughs> well, it's it's uh, New England has has kind of owned Montreal of late, and uh, Montreal did kind of stumble down the, the stretch, not unlike the Crew. Um, um, you don't think Bruce has any magic left? His his best players are not on top of their game right now. No, Bruce's magic is all gone. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so those are the plans. Um, and and then you get to you know we should mention that uh, uh, Toronto would have won the Supporter Shield if if not for uh, a loss to the New York Red Bulls uh, on the last day of the season. So uh, that was in Harrison, New Jersey. And so uh, uh, we shift to the East here. Or we're still in the East. We just went over the play-in games. So uh, the the um, as Jacob said, Philly, the one seed, will get the lower seed coming out of the play-ins and, and Toronto will get uh, the number two, will get the higher seed on the bottom of the bracket. Those games are, are Tuesday. The one seed, two seed games are on Tuesday at six and 8 PM. And uh, now we get to the four five game, the dread four five game, Orlando, New York city FC. Jacob, is anyone playing better than New York city right now? Maybe Philadelphia, <laughs> but yeah, to your, to your yeah. credit there, I mean, that is the game I will have my eyes on. That's at noon for those non-OSU football fans who will be watching that game against Indiana. Maybe turn your attention to Orlando, to that game. I mean, the New York City, right, last year's winners in the Eastern Conference and Orlando, one of the, if you want to say feel-good stories of the season, a lot of talent on that team, just I think an extremely exciting matchup and, and will be whoever comes out of that, that game, a tough one for Philly, who I expect to advance to the next round. Uh, I, I have Orlando in that game. I just like Nani Mueller and Daryl DK too much to pick them to go out early. Although NYCFC has that playoff experience a bit. So maybe that plays in their advantage. It's also at Orlando uh, where Orlando has been pretty, pretty darn good this year. And if you want to make your way down, I, um, we we can wrap up with the with the crew game and kind of dig into that, but I expect Toronto to advance as well against Nashville. Okay, uh, I'll I'll take New York City over Orlando. How about that? What do you think, Kyle? Uh, I just think Orlando very very reminiscent of Columbus uh, in a lot of ways, and the, the primary one being they were they look like world beaters in July, you know, and uh, uh, they they've kind of. They kind of uh, evened out or leveled out coming down the stretch. Um, okay, let's get to the matchup that we really want to talk about, the crew Red Bulls at Moffray Stadium at uh, 3 o'clock on Saturday. Um, Kyle, I'll start with you. Just generally, who, who do you like there? I mean, the crew is a prohibitive favorite. Should they be? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, uh, I, I think it's uh, for crew fans, it's going to be really interesting because – I think, uh, you know, it's, you know, I don't want to say, you know, it's your typical do or die, but I mean, I think Porter really has to coach aggressive. I mean, I think the last couple of games he, he hasn't, um, 
you know, I think he's tried to be aggressive, and 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 I think maybe the uh, the the Orlando game is where maybe the players didn't kind of take what he wanted. But I think it's now now is the time to be aggressive and kind of uh, you know um, poker saying you know go all in. And so I'm curious to see how that kind of looks. Um, and uh, but I mean on on the other side, you know I, I think as this team has kind of developed from last year, you know, I think crew fans should be pretty happy that they're in the playoffs from where they were last year. But then, I mean, as we've talked about, they made a lot of changes and I think they, uh, if everything kind of connects and everything hits the right stride, I think they can make a deep run uh, in this playoff. But I mean, I think it's, you know, um, you know, it's now or never, you know, uh, Porter talked, we've talked about this, that the guys really needed some rest and they, you know, they weren't a hundred percent down the stretch. So uh, with this day, with this time off, hopefully they can really kind of recharge their batteries and kind of get going for this, uh, for this three week, three week uh, or four week tournament. Jacob, we'll get your thoughts on the crew in one second. I wanted to ask you about the Red Bulls who you, the singular, um, you know, they had, <laughs> they were two Oh and three in October um, coming on. Then they got crushed by New York City, five to two, uh, first week of November. Rebounded in their final game and beat Toronto, as we mentioned earlier, to deny TOFC um, the supporter shield, um, and it slid to Philadelphia. Um, in parentheses, keep that in mind, Philadelphia. Uh, they had the shield in their hands, and and uh, uh, and they needed they needed help. When it, when it came down to it. But anyway, this is a poor defensive team, generally speaking, if you're looking at the top eight in the East. Um, how do you view this Red Bulls team, and, and can and can they uh, give the crew serious problems? Well, to correct you real quick there, Mike, Philly just needed a win to get Supporter Shield because they had the goal differential win. If Toronto had won, Philly also won. They were tied in wins. So, uh, But, yeah, Toronto, they denied Toronto a chance at – at least a shot at winning uh, the supporter shield. You're, you're right there. Yeah, this team is not one who scores a ton. 29 goals for, 31 goals against. Their interim head coach, uh, Bradley Carnell, took over September 5th when Chris Armis was fired. That was early on, right after MLS's back tournament. And as you said, down the stretch, you, you highlighted that loss to uh, New York City. That's the only loss they've had in the final seven games. They're 3-1-3. Three, Right. In, in pretty good form right now. Uh, they do have a couple international players, uh, Christian Caceres and Kaku, who might be available, might not. We talked about how the league is trying to get guys back with charter flights. But I, I think this is a team that sets up pretty well for the crew. They know them well. The last loss the crew had against Red Bulls, plural, was in the postseason <laughs> in, in New Jersey, as you stated, in 2018. I think this is about as good of a matchup as, as you could hope for based on where the crew were uh, set up to be in the first round. You, you are certainly happy to have avoided New York City. Well, they've been very good since they signed Caden Clark. But that is an interesting wrinkle. I mean, you think about it. This team fired their coach in September. They've had an interim Brett Carnell take over um, and take them all the way down the stretch to the end of the regular season. They hired Gerhard Struber, but he had to he had to clear immigration, get his visa, and so. And is is it correct? This will be Struber's first game. 
I couldn't verify if he would coach or not, but he's in New York. He he got there November 12th, so a week ago. Um, it it's wild, right? To like think you just yeah. jump into the postseason and that's your first game, but I, I guess like it could happen, I suppose. You think you would kind of watch and kind of take notes and kind of figure out what he wants to do moving forward, but yeah, that's that's weird. <laughs> hey, but you you win your first four games as a coach, you're already a club legend. Yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, uh, I, this is a team. I, I think I think the Toronto win on on decision day was was their only victory over uh, you know one of the East's top four teams. So um, I don't know what to make out of New York City FC. Um, and then you throw in a mostly empty stadium, or perhaps totally empty stadium. We'll see. What a strange. But the, the- Oh, I was going to say the one, the one thing, the one guy that I mean, you you, you named him earlier, the newest Wonder Boy. I think uh, crew fans Katie should Clark. be watching. Um, yeah. You know, Caden Clark, um, the newest 17-year-old. You know, what does he have? Two goals, two or three goals already. Um, and if you look it up, his history, uh, it's a kind of peculiar signing um, of how it all went down um, with the home homegrown rights and everything like that. But also. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's probably somebody you want to look forward to, um, you know, and, and kind of watch for the U S um, you know, men's national team, maybe not the senior team, but, you know, maybe the Olympic team or, um, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the 20. So he, he, he's somebody that, um, if, if you're a fan of the, of uh, the U S team, you know, you should probably, um, you know, be watching him on Saturday. Burhalter does cotton to anyone from New Jersey, I'm sure. Uh, last meeting, Jacob, the crew, and it, this seems like, you know, years ago, um, they they really just dominated uh, the Red Bulls. Uh, and that was in Orlando in July. It was a 2 nothing victory. And uh, uh, the last playoff time they met in the playoffs, as we mentioned, that, oh, that cold day in the second leg in Harrison, New Jersey. Um, the crew had won the first leg at home, one nothing, and then lost the second leg um, at Red Bull Arena. And that is singular, by the way. Um, and that was three nothing. So they lost three to one on aggregate on that cold. That was a cold day. And uh, I that was in the midst of the Save the Crew movement. And uh, uh, Andrew Erickson and I were there with photographer Adam Cairns. I, I think uh, uh, Kyle was uh, shopping or something and couldn't go on the trip. Uh, and and uh, I I've never you know there's always this despondency when when uh, when when your season's over and that team in 2018 the crew was not officially saved yet and they were devastated they really thought they were going to go all the way and um, they just got stomped on in Harrison and that was the end of their season of course you know within days. Or right around that time, the unofficial word leaked that uh, the, the team had been saved. And then, you know, by January 9th, everything was buttoned up with the new coach, new ownership officially announced and all that. In any case, uh, Jacob, I'd like your detailed look at the crew and their form as they head into this playoff game. This is a one and done tournament here. So uh, uh, how 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 is looking to you heading against heading into the game? against the New York Red Bulls Saturday at 3 p.m. at the Moffray Stadium. Just looking at this season in general, when they have had extra training time, they've competed and, and, and got results just as you would hope if you're a crew fan. So I think that's one thing to latch on to. And they did play well against Atlanta. Caleb Porter did admit this week that he thinks there is another gear 
that this team can get to that they didn't get to in that Atlanta game, which which I would agree with. Uh, but let's look at this game in general. The entire postseason run is going to hinge on the effectiveness of, of Darlington Nagby and Lucas Elorayon, obviously. But I think even more so in this game, just the way the Red Bulls press, especially high, how how deep on the field that Darlington Nagby will be responsible to get the ball, try to get them out of trouble. It, the last time against Red Bulls, he completed 45 of 46 passes. So I don't think there's really a concern there, but this is a player who's extremely integral to their success in this game in particular, based on how Red Bulls play. Uh, Nagy was asked about this this weekend, and he said, if you can get the ball to the open man on the switch, uh, great. But if not, don't be overconfident and try to play through that press all the time. At times, you just have to play uh, through the pressure, but if need be, put your foot on the ball, regroup, reconnect, and get your shape together. So I think this game hinges on composure, awareness. That's something that an experienced championship-winning player like Darlington Nagby uh, is good at and has specialized at throughout his career. The crew has handled themselves well against Red Bulls, so I think they're, that's important to note, and they're confident going into this game. As you mentioned, Mike, in that game in July. It, I don't know how much you can really read into it because the Red Bulls have some different players and the coaching changes and whatnot, but the crew didn't allow any shots on goal. So maybe this is an opportunity to for the defense to feel good about themselves going into uh, the next round if they're if they're able to advance. And I think Aloy Room too, we we, you know, talk about and have mentioned Zach Stefan's incredible performances that will live on in crew lore in the postseason in 2017 and 2018. Aloy Room certainly has played like that in the final weeks leading into the postseason, and then you need a hot goalie to get on a run. So those are some things I'm looking at. Also, the wingers, I think you need more production out of them. Only two goals from the wingers outside of Pedro uh, since MLS is back, and he has scored most of his goals when he was playing the number 10. So that's your kind of wholesome look at things. But I think you're probably feeling pretty good if you're a crew fan going into this game. What is the status of Luis Diaz, Jacob? Last we heard, we talked to Caleb Porter on Tuesday. He said they were hopeful. Uh, It appeared via his Instagram that he was on a charter flight back. Uh, I want to get some more clarity on what the other precautions are in terms of time away from the team, how many tests they have to clear and all that. So that's that's about all I have is just they're hopeful right now. But it appears there's a pathway to get him on the field this weekend. Parallel pathways, if you will. Ooh, parallel. Uh, Kyle, uh, Jacob touched on this, um, but uh, in this in this crazy season when they looked unbeatable, uh, heading into September, um, virtually we're unbeatable, uh, and we're shutting teams out uh, on a regular basis. Um, then you go into the slide they had, um, uh, and th- that was uh, largely due to, or con- large contributing factor was with injuries to key players, Nagby, Zellerine, and Zardis and Room, among others, and that was um, they won one out of seven in that stretch. Um, they won two of the last three um, to sneak up into third place there after after sliding. Um, and uh, but their form has not been uh, 
close, I would uh, argue, to what it was uh, in, in July, for instance. Um, but as Jacob, as Jacob said, and these last uh, three games were indicative, uh, they, they've been carried by their best players. Um, and uh, uh, they, they will be absolutely, the, well, we mentioned them, Nagby, Zella, Ryan, Zardes, and Room. Can they win without great performances at this juncture without those guys being their best players? Yeah, I think they can, but I think it also determines how they handle, you know, the Red Bulls uh, high press. I also think a a weakness to this team is, and we've seen it um, a couple times this season, is if if the other team is extremely physical with the crew. I don't think they're a very physical team. Um, And I think that if, um, and I think if the refs kind of, uh, you know, don't take charge early on the game, you know, I mean, that's that's how I would if I were the Red Bulls, that how I would attack is a, with the high press. Uh, but then also try to be extremely physical, you know, um, you know, foul when you can, you know, and I think that kind of disrupts kind of like how the crew kind of gets going and kind of how um, and we, we, we you know, we've seen that, you know, that they don't handle it very well. Um, but like you said, I think if they get good production from the wings, if they get quality crosses into Zardes, you know, I think he can make things happen. But also you have somebody who it is zero zero, you know, just needs a little bit of space and can create something Zellerion and, you know, and he's shown this season, um, you know, to have those moments where you need him or things aren't going well, you know, and it only takes one play or one goal um, for the MLS newcomer of the year. I don't think we mentioned that. Um, so, um, you just did, but yeah, I mean, I, I <laughs> so, um, but I don't, when was our last one? I don't think we, we didn't talk about his, the awards, right? No, no, we said, no, no you're right. We, we teased, yeah. we teased them. Zella Ryan was uh, yeah. a newcomer of the year and, uh, they had a few other players up for awards that, uh, uh, finished, did, did not win, win those awards. Uh, Jacob can, but, I mean, but, you can go over those yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, Menta, Room, and Valenzuela finished third in the running for defender, goalkeeper, and comeback. And then Caleb Porter finished fifth for coach of the year. Well, there you go. Um, Jacob, I, I think I think that uh, the crew is, is doubly dangerous. One, if they're in form, they're really good, uh, almost as good as anybody. Uh, and if they're not, they do have those guys. And, and, you know, I just asked Kyle and it was almost disingenuously, can they win without their best players being their best players? Um, I, I don't expect that uh, that their best players are, are going to disappear on, on Saturday. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I feel the crew is dangerous. I'm, I'm really interested to see him after two week layoff. And uh, I think I think the quality of, of in the mid down the middle and even on the wings is, is too much. We should mention that uh, that that Brian White has been very hot for this Red Bulls team. Um, what's he like? I've heard him been I've heard him described as something like Zardes, but he isn't Zardes, is he? I mean, you know, he's not, he's not as much, he, he's not as much of an aerial threat as Jossie Zardes, but he is a guy. I think the comparison is probably he gets two or three touches. He'll, he'll yeah, so that's one to look out for. I, I'm curious too, Jacob, uh, what the team and the coach has been uh, have been talking about regarding the crew's defensive posture. Um, you know, it's been a while since they had a clean sheet. Um, uh, are they comfortable with their back line heading heading into this game? 
I think to the degree that they can be, there are certainly some things they wanted to sure up from that that match. I, I think they like from the Atlanta match. They like that Darlington Nagby and Artur played very well. Those are guys that you're going to need to control the midfield against Rebels. As far as the back line specifically, I think they're probably just relying on these two weeks and, and, and getting some rest and, and getting healthy. And the only way we're really going to be able to judge that is how they perform on Saturday. All right. I mean, your tri- your picks, guys, you're going to go out on a limb and pick the crew, <laughs> the prohibitive favorite. Yeah, I think they get by this week. Uh, Toronto will be tougher. Do, do we want to project the whole whole playoffs oh, or wow. do we want to keep people listening? Well, you know, we're let's uh, I don't think uh, we should. I'm going we ought to project the whole playoffs. There's, there's you know, there's going to be a whole lot of stuff going on just this weekend uh, on through Tuesday. But I think, uh, Jacob, you're you're uh, right to mention that uh, Toronto is a specter that that could be looming uh, in round two. And that would be in East Hartford at Rensselaer Field. Um, and we know what happened the last time the crew went to Rensselaer Field. That's when their season started to go off the rails. Without Darlington Nagby. Um, right. Also right to mention that. But, yeah, that's honestly when you get to the conference semifinals, I feel like it's such a crapshoot because all those teams are talented. I mean, if you go chalk in the East or NYCFC wins and they play Philly, like I, I think you can really like objectively find a path for all of those teams to make MLS Cup. OK, yeah. well. Uh, okay, just some some data data as we we head down the stretch of this uh, extraordinary podcast. I wanted to mention uh, uh, the the prospect that this could be it could be the last game ever played at Moffray Stadium, Jacob. Yeah, I I think under it, what scenario? Uh, under that, I'd say the pandemic affects next season start and delays it a bit. Uh, I don't, if it's a regular 34 season, I, I do think they'll play at least a few games at Moffray next season. They they want to have up to 13 games at the new stadium. So in a regular year, they would have four at Moffray. So uh, yeah, you're right to point out it could be the last one, but I think there are going to be a couple more. It, it, it will be the final playoff game at Moffray Stadium if they don't get another right. But this year, will be, this playoffs will be the final time playoffs can be played at Moffray. Okay. Uh, Kyle, you've had your eyeballs on the national team uh, during this uh, two-week international window that's just closing now. Um, and uh, the United States senior team was ensconced in the United Kingdom, and they played a couple friendlies. Um, like, to my eye, I, and I didn't see a lot of it, but I, 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 did, uh, I did pay attention to some degree, and uh, I think Greg Berhalter had had this young group uh, of yes. players that are playing in Europe, very young group, I think average age, like 20 and a half or 21 or something like that, playing very well. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, they uh, um, it was zero zero versus Wales, um, which, you know, you, you, you want them to, you know, win that one. They had some chances, um, but then it was six two um, win over Panama. But well, yeah, that like Wales you said, game, Kyle, that, that was played in like uh Sherlock Holmes London weather, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It looked pretty rough out there with the with the rain, and it, it 
it being pretty cold uh, at the start too. So, um, but yeah, no, like you said, you know, I, I, I think against Panama, it was the second youngest uh, roster age ever um, for the U S national team. Um, but I think what, um, you know, if you just want to take like an overall look of the two games, I mean, I think, um, you know, to my eye, they look fun. They look skilled. They're confident and they're fast, which, um, you know, some of those things you can't, you couldn't say in the past years. Um, but it, I mean, I think they're truly are building, uh, for the future. And, um, you know, I think, you, you know, us soccer fans should be extremely happy with the amount of young talent that is, uh, you know, that is over in your, I mean, I, I guess majority of this, uh, except for, uh, um, was it Sebastian? And, um, you know, they were all European based players. So, um, you know, and, and they were, you know, still without their, you know, their superstar, um, you know, Mr. Wonderboy, um, you know, so, I mean, I think there, there are a lot of good things to take from it. I, I, I still think there are some issues in the central defense that they need to work out. Um, but you saw talent in the back, um, uh, with Reggie Cannon and, you know, Sergio, you know, on the flanks, um, you know, the other thing, you know, the midfield is just, there's just so much talent uh, with Gio and uh, Eunice uh, Musa, which is I think would be a huge get for them if they can get the Valencia uh, midfielder that, you know, the, the, the sign. Cause I, I believe he's a uh, can be represented by was it Nigeria, England and United States. There might be another one in there, uh, but he has a couple different options. Um, but I, I still think the. The biggest factor moving forward is you got to figure out who, who, you know, who's your goal scorer, who's your guy up top. Um, there is a lot of, a lot of guys that, that have played pretty well and got some goals. I think um, as a, um, as a fan, you wanted to see uh, Josh Sargent, but uh, he was held back from his club team from going. Um, but, you know, I just think that, you know, for crew fans, you should be happy because I think Zarda is moving forward is going to get a lot of starts for this team, uh, you know, once qualifying starts. Jacob, thoughts, comments? It was good to see some finishing ability in that second game. Oh, I, I God. Think. Uh, what did they put up, yeah. five or six? Six. Six, yeah. yeah. I don't, I, I mean, I don't care who you're game. playing. I mean, six goals is a lot of goals at any level, you know, uh, and especially at that level. And, and uh, again, the opponent doesn't matter. That's, that's extraordinary. Like – uh, if you're a fan of the U.S. and you're 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 uh, you're 21 year olds are putting in six against Panama, you got to be pretty jacked. Yeah, when's the last time you saw that from a U.S. men's national team? Yeah. You know, um, and I watched just about all of the Wales game in the second half of the uh, game against uh, Panama. Right? Sorry, yeah. days I'm getting my days mixed up here. But yeah, I thought a lot of those goals were well created yeah. through build up, good crosses and runs. It, it was a very encouraging sign for, for this team. And I think after kind of a disappointing finish to that Wales game, although they seem they controlled the bulk of the game. Uh, good, good to see those young guys produce. Yeah. Lastly, gentlemen, um, uh, I, I, I'm curious for your thoughts on um, the unveil of the authentic Austin oh jerseys. Um, oh boy. The narrow Verde uh, of um, Seth. looks like they just, uh, Took them right from Sassuolo. There, uh, your th- my my children didn't didn't really care for them, and they thought they thought it was a rip off. Although, how many color combinations, uh, you know, can you come up how, can you come up with a new color combination? They just stole Sassuolo's, and that's fine, you know. I mean, 
you could say it's Dortmund here or whatever, but uh, uh, green and black. Yep. Kyle, I mean, you're you're an artist. Um, you're a craftsman. Um, you have an eye in the lens. Um, oh. You used to do a lot of fashion work uh, yep. on the runway, um, Giselle Bunchen, et cetera. What did you think of, of the Austin unveil? I, it just kind of is, you know, blocked me. I mean, I, I, I know, uh, I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it just doesn't. I mean, uh, I was hoping it kind of would look like there, there's our art critic people. You know, wow. I hope it looked like kind of like queso, but you know, but you know, uh, I, oh, you know, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, but I mean, I, I will say though, I think it's extremely hard nowadays to come up with something kind of fresh and kind of unique. Yeah. I mean, it's literally everything has been done, and uh, you know, we saw this kind of with the. Uh, with the retro jerseys from the, from the, you know, oh. from the NHL. Oh. Um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I guess, I guess, you know, it's all right. Start. I mean, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Jacob, do they look authentic to you? Well, I'll go on record saying that I'm a fan of those NHL jerseys. Uh, I liked them quite a bit. Although the whalers probably hit a little too close to home for you, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> I might have written a thousand words about yeah. that recently. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I what Austin is the 47th FC in MLS. Authenticity is not something the league does super well. Uh, it, I, I agree with Kyle. It was just kind of bland. I, it wasn't as sharp as I expected. But um, I'm not someone who gets too overhyped about jersey combinations. I'm waiting for like uh, an NFL team to appropriate fc you know like the dallas cowboys fc you know what i mean art model fc <laughs> I mean, like, and it's not foosball um i don't i don't know sc is kind of okay all that stuff you know how i feel all right is there anything uh patrick flaherty you got anything for us this week no he's he's just nope. the best dollar nope. man of the business kyle any, kyle and jacob anything you want to add before we sign off here I just really like the single elimination of the MLS playoffs. I thought it worked so well last year and obviously the crew wasn't in it. So maybe people didn't pay attention a ton, but I would encourage, you know, people who listen to this are already crew fans, but any just casual sports fan to try to get into the sport, watch MLS cup playoffs. They're, they're quite exciting. Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go. Well. He said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be, well, I mean, I think I'll, all four of us will be, or all three of the four of us will be, will be watching in and you know tuning into you know a variety of games. But I mean, I, I think the only downside is you know, and, and it's just this, it's just 2020. I mean, I I think it's you know I, I feel bad for all these all the teams that are hosting games with with hardly anyone in it, or you know, or even if there are a few few fans in it. I mean, I think it's I I've always enjoyed covering you know, the playoff games with the fans and the excitement and it being cold. And there's just a, there's just an electric atmosphere. And I think that's, you know, I think, and, you know, and with the players being in a long season and everything, I, you know, I do think that, you know, the players were missed having the fans in there because it does, you know, I think they, they, you know, uh, either the away team or the home team kind of take, you know, energy off just having a, you know, a, a, a you know, stadium, packed full of fans and just the, I don't know. I just, I just think you're going to miss that kind of element to it, but I mean, it's 2020. So, 
you know, crap, everything happens. So, I, I, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. What, one of the interesting wrinkles about MLS playoffs to me is that soccer and, and uh, most uh, almost all of the rest of the world um, is based on regular seasons. And, and most of your hardcore snobby fans would like to say FC uh, Foosball and uh, Real Salt Lake or whatever. They they uh, uh, they 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 say that the table at the end of the year is 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 the purest form of determining a champion, and uh, certainly there's something true to that, and it is tradition in the game. Um, but it's always fascinated me uh, about uh, the players that come in from overseas and get an experience of what an American type playoff is like, and uh, I'll tell you that. To, I've never heard anyone say it's bad. I mean, they, they get really fired up for the playoffs because uh, they, they get a notion uh, if sooner or later how big the buildup to the MLS Cup is yeah. and what it's like to be in an elimination tournament. Not that they don't play those, uh, you know, tournaments like that everywhere else, but for a league title uh, to be decided on a playoffs is obviously uh, very American and, and uh, it's something that uh, – Players who aren't exposed to, to, to this kind of tournament buildup for, for a league title uh, are really, really buy into. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. They, they get it. They get it pretty quick. And uh, and so do the fans. Um, so uh, that's about it. We got uh, beginning Friday night with with two playing games. Uh, we have uh, four rounds over. Uh, well, not counting the playing round over 23 days. It's going to go fast and furious. It's going to end uh, to start, you know, at, at the end of the second week in December on the 11th. And boom, off we go. Uh, you guys didn't say your predictions. I said 3-1 crew. So what's your predictions for Saturday? I'll go 2-0. I'll go uh, I, I think they ride a one-goal lead for a while and, and are able to finish it off. Well, I'll... Uh, I guess I'll, I'll lean on the, the words of Patrick Royce, who... who uh, who, uh, you know, as a columnist, a great columnist in Minneapolis uh, for, for decades, uh, he, the Minnesota Vikings owner was really angry with him. And uh, uh, they were having a heated conversation. Um, and uh, the the owner was saying that uh, that Royce was just negative, 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 uh, to, to borrow the old uh, Doug McLean line. And uh, Royce said, you, you don't get it uh, as a columnist. When, when when you lose, I rip you, and uh, uh, when you win, I rip the other team. So that that's, <laughs> that that'll be my prediction, gentlemen. Thank you for Patrick Clarity, the Podfather at the Podfather to Kyle Robertson at K Rob Photo and Jacob Myers underscore J M Myers. Is that correct? Underscore J C Myers. There he is. Uh, I'm Mike Aries. Engaged too, JC underscore Myers too. Oh, should we get that in? Yes. Folks, send send your well wishes to <laughs> Jacob Myers, who had a complete camera team that, uh, for some reason, didn't include at K Rob Photo. Capture all the magic and and love that was his proposal to his future wife, who R. A. Shakespeare. And that's it for the Soccer Speakeasy. We'll be talking to you next week after this uh, first weekend of uh, the MLS Cup playoffs. Patrick, kick us out of here. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left.
Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.